Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Ghost Stories by Lion of the North, featuring my friend Harrison Hickok on guitar. I've known Harrison a really long time, so it was really great to get to chat with him and catch up. Um, yeah, I, I, that's uh, a little sticky, only because, um, you know, like, I'll get asked a lot, like where you're from and, um, especially being older and having moved around so much, it doesn't really mean too much to me. So I don't really hold a lot of value in where I'm from or the history of it. So it is kind of interesting. I mean, I know everybody, you know, they have some story, but, um, I don't know. I think it's more common than not to not exactly be from one spot. So I don't really identify in the way that I think I'm going to be <laughs> going to answer. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, so I understand. I was, I was born in uh, uh, Rockford, Illinois, and I guess we lived there for a few years. Um, my dad left when I was four, and he totally, totally left. So um, my mom, who was working, but um, you know, she wasn't the main source of income, she had no idea. It was just like a, he pulled up with a, Hey, I've been seeing someone else. We're moving. I can't pay child support. And then he was just gone. So, um, that sucked. And again, for me at four, it's just like, Oh, awesome. You know, we got a new house to check out, got like new, well, she wasn't even a stepmom. you know, just this new lady who likes me. It was great, but, uh, it totally sucked for my mom. And, uh, my aunt, uh, is really close with my uh, family now. And uh, so is my mom's sister, who was pretty close to her. Uh, she lived, I don't know, maybe a state away, but she said that um, she saw a really big change with me after that, where I was very sensitive to my mom in particular because I saw how hard it was for her. So my mom's awesome, and she did everything she could, but we basically moved every year until I was in fourth grade stayed in one spot for two years and then sorry three years and then in seventh grade we moved to michigan that's where i stayed until i graduated high school and then i moved to chicago and then i stayed there for six or seven years and then i moved to memphis and that's where i'm still at and we're just about six or seven years there uh, in memphis now yeah so when i met you you lived uh up up in the region somewhere what where were where were you living at that point? Yeah, so uh, probably 2003 or 2004 when we met. I'd say, two, yeah, 2003 probably. Maybe yeah. Maybe just 2004, kind of? Spring? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, um, I was living in Michigan, but then playing in the band that was from Northwest Indiana. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, crazy how different, I mean, especially in, 
high school, you know, for what was accessible to me, but crazy how different um, a state line could be. There's so much going on in Northwest Indiana and Southwest Michigan had nothing. So we're talking like four or five bands in my immediate graduating class, my high school class. And then like, you know, people years above and below us don't even play music at all. And one of the people was, uh, who, who was, uh, four years older than me. He was a senior when I was a freshman. Um, that was James Lear. And he got me when he graduated, he started, you know, seeing more people in Northwest Indiana and he got me into one of their bands again, coming from a small town where <laughs> like very few people even play music and he and I got along and then he plays the people who were even older than him. And that was Tim who was, uh, shit nine or 10 years older than me at the time. I think he was like 27 mm-hmm. and I was, you know, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. So for Tim, it was like, Oh God, got to deal with this little shit. And for me, it was like, Oh my God, this dude's, you know, <laughs> done so much. And I haven't, it was so intimidating to play with him. And James just had the confidence that it would work out. Somehow it did. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you said like nobody played uh, instruments in, when you were in high school and stuff, but like, what about you? Like how long, like, when did you start playing instruments and what was your, the first instrument that you played? It was uh end of seventh grade going into eighth grade. And uh, like I said, my graduating class actually had a lot of bands in it, which it, it was one of those, you know, waves. So I'm oh, guessing yeah. a few years before. Yeah, it, it was you know? just like nobody before that, and then the, yeah, that's what that's what you said specifically. Um, yeah, but what were you playing? Uh, when I met you, you were playing bass, but was that your first instrument then? Yeah, yeah, I would have preferred drums, but um, my mom was like, definitely not. And then <laughs> that had everything to do with where we were living more than anything. Like I don't, I she's incredibly patient and tolerant. Um, to the point that when eventually we did have band practice at my place for a very brief, um, I don't know, summer maybe, she would totally, she was okay with it. She was like, let me know in practices, just like, you know, she was a band member and she would either vacuum or go grocery shopping. Like she worked around our schedule. It was awesome. But the drum thing was um, we were living in a, you know, shared housing environment. So, our neighbor, it was, it was just a non-option because she didn't even want to make the neighbors have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, whatever. So she was like, you should play guitar. But my friend, like, uh, who was a really good friend of mine in third or fourth grade, we kept in touch and he had started playing bass. And, um, because of just seeing, you know, him and him going from not knowing how to play to being like a very, accomplished accomplished musician i was like well shit bass sounds like a perfect medium it's a rhythm thing but it's stringed and if i get you know a drum set it it might make more sense i had some logic behind it yeah so i played bass and after you know like six months of playing bass i got a guitar which was fine but i was just so identified with bass because everybody felt like they played guitar it felt like everybody played guitar Mm -hmm. so what, how did you get your first bass? Like, was that like a birthday present scenario or, or mowing lawns? It was, or? Yeah. Again, I know I got it at the end of seventh grade because it was completely, that gift was an entire year's worth of work. My mom was like, you have to play football. You have to play basketball. You have to get a 
whatever it was, 3.0. Um, and then after I did all that, you know, it was like the last two weeks of school and I was like, yo, it's all, I did it. We're ready. Let's go get it. And she was like, okay. Also, <laughs> she didn't say this, but it was like, we, we're broke. So it's like, this is your birthday and Christmas present. And we got the, the Squire gig rig. And uh, I think she did end up buying me like a case or something for Christmas because she, you know, wanted to protect her investment. Right. But, um, yeah, it was like, if you remember this in the Java gyms era, there was a place called Roxy music and Laporte. You ever go there? Uh, no, I did not. There, there would not have been a reason for you to, other than like you were playing a show in Laporte and you needed something, uh-huh. but, um, very iconic for that town and, and kind of that area. But that was like the closest music store. And, um, I, I could talk so much shit on them, but they were great. Like, it was just goofy, small town, you know, and they're the only game in town, so they could do whatever. Um, but yeah, it was like $350. And I remember that number just being so big at the time. Like, oh my God, take yeah. me all summer to save up for this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she got it for me and I got the black one. I was just thinking about this. So this is still the my favorite bass, which I guess is, you know, a lot of people's like first instrument is, ends up being their favorite. But mm-hmm. I, I, only play that bass i have two others and i still only play the squire and um i've had this it was a black bass and had a black it had a white pickguard and i've had a black pickguard on it for so long and i remember being heartbroken when my white pickguard had broken so the input jack area on a p bass you know it's just mounted to the pickguard uh-huh. the input jack just like on the end of it so it's really susceptible for cracking if you're not um and if you put any pressure on the input when you when you have it plugged in, and that's what happened, and I was just devastated, like, oh my god, it's broken. And then they fit Roxy Music fit the black pickguard, and I felt so embarrassed. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna look like a faux goth, like a fucking nine inch nails kid. And at the time, I was like, like every beginning bassist, like 100 percent into you know Red Hot Chili Peppers and ska. Like I just wanted to walk the bass all day. Yeah. And I was playing this black on black bass. <laughs> um, is it still is it, you said you still play it is it still black on black or did you ever it, yes I the only thing that's still original on it are the neck and body um, I've changed all the pickups the bridge the tuners and I guess I haven't refretted it yet but it has needed it for a long time yeah but uh, no it's awesome it's just like it's what I know and it the neck's super scratched up and there's a ton of weird warps in it but I feel most comfortable on it I mean, people, people, um, people talk those those Squire P bass up pretty, pretty hard. Like, you know, if you watch any like beginning recording tutorial or whatever, they'll be like, "Get yourself one of these." Like, you can buy more expensive basses, but you don't need to. And like, yeah, specifically, people will talk about how um, just go ahead and get a three quarter because you'll they're even cheaper mm. and like you'll probably just be able to run all over it. And so I've contemplated that because, yeah, because you'll find a, you'll find one of those P bases for like, you know, uh, maybe somewhere around three. I don't know. It's been a while since I looked, but those uh, three quarters, like you can find those for like 180 bucks. And it's like, wow, you know, so I've, I've contemplated it. I don't have a problem with the bass that I play now, but I've been like, I don't know, maybe something, in, you know, maybe something in there. Um, but yeah. Do you have a three-quarter scale? Um, 
so what I have is um I have an SX which is made by mm-hmm. Rondo Music which is like you know it's it's a copy of something I don't know exactly what and um yeah I really enjoy it I really like it and so then Ari one one uh it was either his birthday or Christmas he was like I want a bass guitar and I was like cool so I got him a three quarter um one of one of these SX and um mm-hmm. You know, he never he never played it that much, but um we had a friend of ours go on tour with us one time uh in Coma Regalia, our friend Mitchie, and uh they used it on this tour because the you know, they were just like, Do you have a three quarter? Because that'd be perfect. And I was just like, Can we use your bass? And Ari was like, Cool. So um <laughs> they they loved it. And I mean it sounded great yeah. on tour, so yeah. Um That's awesome. I uh I I have seen so few people play them, and I thought that they would be like I thought that they would feel like a child or you know a, a toy guitar until I played one, and I was like, no, this rules. Like it's got its place. It does not sound any different. Yeah. To me. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, if you can, like you said, if you can actually play better on it, if you feel more versatile on it, then oh yeah. Yeah, go for it. Right. Um, yeah. So you. It sounds like you kind of because you were already meeting people who were playing in bands and you and you got a bass and it took you long enough to like get one. It sounds like you're pretty aimed in like I want to get a bass, I want to be in a band, and like uh, so once you got the bass, how did you make that happen? Like, did you jump straight into bands or did you start teaching yourself or take lessons or? Well, I I don't know how we ended up with it, but uh, we had a really terrible what was supposed to be like a classical type acoustic guitar, you know, with nylon strings. Right. But it was like bottom of the barrel of whatever the hell it was. And I didn't know shit about tuning. And this is, you know, 2000 or 2001. So although the internet is readily accessible, I'm on like a, whatever it is, 64 K dial up (laughs) modem. So to even download like a, a tab was a feat. Like I might get one or two, uh, tabs a day but again I don't know what the hell I'm doing I don't know what a tuning is and to like stream an audio source and try and tune by ear was completely impossible and uh, yeah I was so young I didn't have any money and I didn't have any like concept of how I could improve so we had this terrible guitar that was probably found somewhere and then my mom just let me hold on to it and so I was playing on that not knowing what tunings were but again she saw the I was willing to play this piece of shit for so long and I wanted a bass. So it was pretty easy for her to be like, yeah, just fill these requirements that you probably do anyway. And I'll get you the thing that I'll probably get you even if you don't. Um, so it was a win-win. And, um, yeah, like you were saying, how did I, you know, (laughs) form a band so quick? It was like, God talking about it just reminds me how it's been this way my whole life, how this has always happened. But it's like, I see the end goal and then I do everything to, (laughs) <laughs> then I like uh, reverse engineer how to get there. So yeah. it's like I had these three friends and we decided we were a band. We had a name. We had an album, like concept, album art, lyrics, all this stuff figured out. And then we all bought instruments. And then we started learning how to play. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the worst. I mean, it was so fun. You know, like, why wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, um, yeah. Until again, like, yeah, you know, I, I look back and it's like, fuck, man, I 
have so many personality issues and they were all present immediately in that band where it was like, no, 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 this isn't my vision. And they're like, yeah, but it's okay. We can compromise though. They like, no, we cannot compromise. <laughs> so there was so many arguments over like, whatever, if we were covering all along the watchtower or we were going to cover, um, Oh God, some incubus song, like that type of shit would like break up the band for a few days, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's about, I mean, that's right with like that age in, in like young people too. So, you know, it, it's all, it all checks. Um, but yeah, yeah. To, a couple of things I was going to say is, uh, what you're describing is exactly how dance and destroy started. Like it was just like, we want to <laughs> have this band and sound like this. And then it was just like, people were like, well, I've got this thing. And then I ended up with drums. Um, yeah. the other thing I was going to say is I know, anybody can just go on YouTube or whatever now and just like there's, you can find a tuner, you know, and tune. But how I um, actually learned how to tune guitars is I somehow figured out that the Bad Religion song, American Jesus, that first note is an open A. So that's how I tuned my <laughs> guitar for like years. Just nah, that first note. And I was just like, I'll just hit the A and I, until I got, to that and then i was like okay cool and tuned the rest of the guitar but uh yeah i don't know was that was that like the first way you learned how to tune was by ear yeah i mean pretty much that's incredible yeah it's uh i i did not i actually did not ever have a tuning pedal until the people in a Camille bought me one for my birthday like they all pitched <laughs> in and bought me that boss yeah, I never they were like, one. we're tired of you being a tenth of a note off. <laughs> they were like, no, it's like, it's not that I was off. They were just like, this isn't, they, they specifically were like, this isn't professional. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I see, I see. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to beat the shit out of this guitar and cry on the floor in five minutes. What exactly is <laughs> professional about this? You know, <laughs> Dude, I, 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 I know I've talked to you about this before, but that band was so huge for me. I mean, like we're talking the time in my life and the type of music you're playing and the fact that you were even remotely local to where I was at. I think about A Camellia all the time. And um, especially whenever I think of Wes, who yeah. for the record, you know, was like one of the most important people in my life, especially at that time. And he was just like, constantly showing new music and so casually just like oh yeah here's one band i talked to him we're gonna play with them it's like okay cool when i heard it i was like holy shit this was like raw this is like the heaviest at the time it was like the heaviest stuff i was able to listen to and uh yeah you're when you guys played gems on the stage you did not have the breakdown that he said you may have he told me before he was like yeah dude gets kind of emotional <laughs> Yeah, I, and you didn't have that breakdown, but it was so fucking. Yeah, it, it felt like it, it felt intimidating listening to you. Although you're a very approachable person, it was just a sound that I was so. It, it was. It was just more pro than I was used to hearing. Uh, it was awesome. So I really loved that band. Oh, thank you.
had some pretty good times uh, t together when we got to play those few shows together. And um, yeah, that was actually that was actually what I met Doyle for the first time as well. Was mm -hmm. uh, that well? What was um, that band at that time? Was Forever and Always? Was that the name of Doyle's yep. band? Yeah, I thought mm -hmm. so. But yeah, that um, that particular show, like it was really cool and everything. But um, I, you know, we don't. I don't even know, honestly, if we had ever even played on a stage up until that point, because we were always oh, like sure. very like, well, but also, you know, like I, I also am one of these people like I really don't like to inconvenience people. So like I'm trying to tell the guy that yeah. was up there, like we don't, you know, we usually do this or like we don't really like to do and. And he was like, oh, that now that would just be like a real pain in the butt to like do all this. And trust me, it's going to sound great and blah, blah, blah. So I just kind of was like, yeah, that's cool. And um, and then like I was like, but I also would like to use this microphone because uh, I had that sure fit right. that I always used. And um, mm -hmm. and he was being weird about that, too. But like but he was also very excited about the mic because he was like oh these are great they pick up everything but the problem is they pick up everything <laughs> and uh yeah. yeah so but that was yeah that was a really good that was a really good time and uh also the time that that uh y'all came down and played my house that was really that was really cool and uh oh my god i I get nervous thinking of that show when we played your house again so intimidated and just wanting, not not even like wanting to be cool, but like just wanting, kind of like you said, like you didn't want to inconvenience people. I was like, I don't want to say something or do something foolish. Like I want to be such a wallflower. And now I have to play at this dude's house at this <laughs> show. That's and I, if I remember right, it was one of the more classically attended shows. That was like five people, most band members. And it was awesome. You're probably like right. one of those that. Yeah, you're probably right yeah. about that one for sure. It was it was weird. Like when I when I first started doing shows here at the house, there was like the people that I knew in college, and then like the longer I did it, and people moved out of the town, then it, I just didn't yeah. like. There was no way to for me to like keep meeting new people to bring out, you know. And so it yeah. was like it, it was. It got to be like that, and. uh at once every blue moon, I would still do a show if I couldn't find something somewhere else. And it's funny, like, um, how it's it was like the same, you know? It was like two people would come from Indianapolis, maybe like these people <laughs> I knew in town, you know? And I, and it's like, it's like, this this sucks, like, comparatively speaking, but also at the same time, like, when people like... uh sometimes are like oh back in the day there used to be all these people at shows and blah 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 and i'm like what shows were you at you know <laughs> but um, yeah you know I, that's such a nostalgia thing that I, again i don't know if this is everyone but in my life i've experienced that so much where people have said something about a friend's band or whatever that was just so false someone said something about uh one of the bands i was in like it was on a message board, I'm sure it wasn't to me directly, and something about oh this tour that tour, and I was like laughing, like bro, we booked four tours, 
canceled two and a half of them. <laughs> like one guy cut short because uh, of car problems. Fucking classic. Like we did one 10 day tour and then like five days of another tour. Um, yeah. And people just talked about it like it was more. Yeah. It's very weird. I wonder where the, like maybe these people have gone to those do like a show and assumes, you know, they just blanket it like, Oh, that era had all these good shows. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, like, yeah, they, they, they happen to be at the very best day of your 10 day show, 10 day tour. And, mm. then, and then they're like, this band was killing it, you know, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a testament to like whether the, the band was great or like the, 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 the show itself you know, was great. Like whether there's five or, you know, 50 people or whatever, but, um, yeah, it is, it is kind of, it is kind of weird. It's like very selective, like rose colored glasses kinds of things, especially yeah. in retrospect, nobody's going to put like a band that existed like 15 years ago when they start doing nostalgia farming and digging out the old photos, nobody's going to be like, and this is from that one show where there were three people there. <laughs> like they're going to put pictures from the most crowded shows to make themselves look, you know, hype and stuff. But, uh, right. Of yeah. course, which, which, um, <laughs> it, it is totally only natural. Like, I, I don't think I'd ever choose to show that no one was at a, like an actual venue show, but yeah. in the house show world, it's kind of like, I don't, I mean, we're, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you and I are similar in mindset where it's just like, that's kind of what it is. Like I want to connect a hundred percent to one or two people. I don't want to give, you know, 30 people the review of like, yeah, it was fine. I didn't mind it. I didn't love it. Didn't hate it or whatever. I don't really care about that. You know, I want yeah. like the people who love it to be the ones who get to experience it and be like, this is the gift for you. Yeah. Um, if I'm fortunate enough to be the one doing it, because again, I've been on the opposite end where it's like, dude, this band love it or hate it is putting their all out and uh i don't know i appreciate that yeah regardless of the genre yeah i mean i was thinking about this actually earlier you know because of the there's just there's stuff that's like been being discussed you know online about like um the varying degrees of success you know that bands uh have attained or want to attain or whatever and you know, I, I just don't, I don't think like, I mean, we played, you know, a few years ago, we played a fest, uh, over in Berlin, um, Mr. Stars Fest. It was probably the most people we ever played for. They said it's like oh, yeah. capacity was like four, four something, you know? And it was like, wow, this is like ridiculous, like, and, and everything. But the thing with that fest is, you know, we were there two days and I already knew a lot of people um for mm -hmm. going over there just from like the international diy scene and people that yeah. i didn't know like they came and they talked you know talked to us and i felt like i made some like real connections and it's like you were saying like you know if there's 50 people there and i mean you're not you just physically in the hour or so after the show is winding down or whatever cannot even talk to all 50 of those people so like yeah. If you're playing for like thousands of people, what do you do? You just, you get, you know, you get into the show with your band and then you're done with the show and you just, you're just talking to your band again. Like I, that's not, 
ideal for me at all, you know? And I, I've just wondered, like, not that I think at my age, you know, I'm, I'm long past, like, ever even contemplating that something like that might be uh, a thing, like, in my, mm -hmm. you know, music periphery, whether I was aiming for that or not. But, um, like, I just, I don't think that's, that wouldn't be for me, you know, like I want, like, you know, when I, when I go online and just, and, and I'm like, you know, oh, like this fucked up thing happened to me and like, I'm in pain, like my knee hurts real bad or blah, blah, blah and whatever. And mm -hmm. what happens is these people like check up on you and stuff. They're your friends, you know, they check up on you. They care about you. And it, and I'm looking yeah. at like messages or whatever that I got. And like all these people, like I met because I was in a band, you know, I met yeah. them yeah. at these shows where there was only 10 people or I met them at these shows. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's worth a thousand people at a show or like whatever kind of money or whatever there would be to be made, you know, that's, that's worth it to me. Uh, not to like, well, yeah. And, but, um, know. Oh no, because I totally get it. Um, there's so many different ways to say it, but yeah, it, um, it, it's similar to like, just like the music that you're playing, you know, I guess there's nothing when I was younger that appealed to me about so much pop music. It was just like, this is stupid, it's shallow, they're just trying to cash in on whatever. And now that I'm older, um, it's like, fucking love so much pop music, even modern pop that, you know, you're, I'm sure is still just as shallow and, you know, focused on making money. But it's also like, there's still an art, and again, like a passion into it. And fuck it, man, if that's like the thing that you're into, good for you. But yeah. uh, much like you're saying, yeah, it was like my thing, maybe not like, I, was, I don't think I was going into it to make friends so much as it, I'll put it this way. I live with some people that had very similar mindsets and we all listen to similar music. And most of us ended up being, you know, vegan or vegetarian. I mean, like we look the same, we got similar life stories or backgrounds in some way, you know, and that's when I really started seeing like all the shows I was going to, it, it, it's almost, um, like racial profiling in a way where it was like, oh, okay, I see he's got these patches and it's a, you know, white guy my age. So someone who reflects me in similar ways, I already think we have so much in common and just putting that little bit of effort into saying hi to that person yielded, you know, a friendship uh, in the same way that, yeah, just having bands that play the same style of music, you're like, well, we all kind of have a really similar background anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like an easier way to make friends that you had so much in common with versus the other way around where, you know, you're, maybe you get along with someone, but then you don't like the same music and that's never a problem, but it's so much easier to be like, there's this show that 30 people are at and that's, <laughs> that's 30 new friends, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things like, it's weird. It's like, I don't know. It was just happened to be something I was thinking about. It's like, I would, I, you know, no one's ever gonna, well, I, I can't say that, you know, but like, I can't say no one's ever gonna, cause uh, somebody's always gonna, but, um, I mean, you know, no one's gonna say like, no, I don't want more people to hear my band or no, I don't want more, you know, and I don't even think that there's anything wrong with somebody just being like, like you said, just being like, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to do this and I want to carve this path to this, this, uh, you know, this version of success that I have in mind, you know, I don't, I have no problems with that. It's right. like, you know, I mean, what's, it's like, what's, you know, what's the alternative? Why would you, why would you be happier if your friends worked at the Amazon warehouse than if they like played music on stage for people? You know what I mean? So like, it's like, sure. there's no wrong way, but it's, it's just like one of those things that I was thinking about. And I, that might say, say a little bit about like my you know some of my like anxieties and stuff anyway because like i just can't i i literally would be one of those people like i would have to be like almost like borderline ushered in and like ushered out because i just i'd lose my mind around all those people you know but um mm. but yeah it's it's i don't know it's a it's an interesting like way to i guess like appreciate you know everything that uh everything that you've been able to do you know and see it for like the most of what it is instead of like being like disappointed or whatever you know yeah um it's that bums me out um only because i hate to think that there could be more potential for your you know music or your message whatever you want to consider it to get out that wouldn't work for you. Um, but uh, it doesn't seem to me like that's actually happened. Right. It's not like someone was like, Sean Decker is a million dollar contract, <laughs> but you have to play in front of a thousand people. <laughs> I'm like, ah, Oh no. <laughs> like, I, I guess that's a good thing that, yeah, you don't like a lot large crowd and you don't often play the large crowd. So I mean, there you go. Yeah. I, it's, it yeah. would be it would be more sad if you were <laughs> like I won a large credit and you couldn't get it, you know. Yeah. The only thing that I would I will say to that though is that I find that the the more I the more I don't want something to happen, the the you know, the universe un- finds some weird way to put me in that situation, you know. So I'd I'd be yeah. the only person that like somehow um rockets to stardom like at, at fifty five or something, you know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be you'll officially retire from music, and that'll be the hit. Yeah, it'll be uh, 25 years of Coma Regalia, and finally somebody says, "Hey, they might be onto something." Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you heard this? Like 300. Have you heard? You know, have you heard this discography? Yeah, exactly. This antiquated sound.
going back to you know your band so like the band that we were talking about when we met was uh the wichita kansas trailer park conspiracy and uh that's yeah, yeah that's a mouthful but you know y'all were a, good, a really good time i always had fun i'm playing with y'all and watching y'all and uh um what's uh what was the next band after that? Was did you go kind of straight from that to Lion of the North, or did you do other things in between there? Yeah, we. I mean, I, I, I never really, really multitasked bands. Like there was a lot of bands that I kind of had on the back burner. Like I talked with people and being like, "Yeah, we should do that," and then maybe that would transition right after the end of a band. So, I, um, my best friend in high school. Uh, not the guy that I actually started playing music with, but um, but the one uh, that I, I I guess I played with right before, which thought was um, he was very into like Beatles and big pop, like Michael Jackson, Goo Goo Dolls type alternative, and uh, well I, I guess he was into Michael Jackson. When we started playing music, it ended up like he wanted to do Goo Goo Dolls type thing. And then he got into Bob Dylan and stuff. And so there's a brief period where we were playing. And um, that was a really good exercise in patience. I'll put it that way. (laughs) So I learned a lot from playing with him, playing with James and these dudes that were way older, way more accomplished, way better, way smarter than me. And then meeting all these other people. And I didn't actually start Lion the North. I joined Forever and Always, which was, of course, the only name better than the Wichita, Kansas trailer park conspiracy. <laughs> so, uh, I was playing with these kids who were just a few years, like two or three years younger than me. But, um, you know, when you're out of high school and they're fucking, um, whatever it is, juniors, like that was kind of a big deal. I was kind of bummed, but they were really fucking good. And personality wise, got along really well. Um, and they were Northwest Indiana and I stayed around in Michigan for another year. The person I was dating was a year younger than me. So I was waiting for her to finish school. And then she was moving to Chicago. She meant I was going to move to Chicago. And I just felt like, this is cool. I'll hang out for a year, do community college work, do the band shit. They will have graduated. She will have graduated. We'll move to Chicago. Hopefully dudes in the band are still like down with it and we can keep doing this. But it was definitely like forever and always was their high school band. And then they got, you know, accidentally got good, um, just from like sheer force of will. And, um, towards the end of there, it was basically just like a couple dudes in the band were like, yeah, I kind of want to do this other genre and, you know, uh, we should shed the name and just like release the whole new record under this. So it was basically that band. Uh, we just got a different bassist, which was nothing against the bassist we had, but again, he wasn't, yeah, he just wasn't up for what we were trying to go for. And I was in Chicago and I was like, fuck yes, it's going to be great. You know, move to Chicago, get the connections. Our band's going to do awesome shit. And then it just turned into what was already kind of the thing I hated the most about playing music, which is that I had to travel so much and I don't mind travel, but like when I was in, I, I started driving and I was already in that band in um, Michigan City. So that was like a 30-minute drive, which is no problem. But I just started driving. So it was like 30 minutes each way, twice a week. And then I moved to Chicago, practicing farther, like deeper into Indiana, near, um, oh God, it wasn't Knox. It was somewhere in Indiana, somewhere deep, somewhere farmlandy. 
So then it became like I sold my car and I took the train and then would get picked up. And then we had an hour uh, car ride. So it was like a three hour round trip for me. Well, probably a four hour round trip, but I had, I broke it up over two days every time. And it was uh, such a pain in the ass that again, it had to be a, a total like passion for me. You know, I couldn't be like, yeah, let's practice and hope that things work out. So to me, it was like, we have to make every minute worth it because our drummer can only play for three or four hours at a time, which is understandable for any drummer. Um, he was also not like a hundred percent on the same page as us. So he's like, you know, dating people and he's got a job and he doesn't really want to play the show that we know isn't going to do well. And then, you know, at least me and one other guy were just like, dude, we give up so much to do this band and, uh, whatever we did that band for a hot minute. It was cool fucked around um had to like replace people a bunch was that and lion then, of the north or was that pre oh sorry yeah that was lion of the north yeah um but again like just never accomplished what we all knew we could and that i'm sure you know this god talking to sean decker over here but like had to find the right people seemed to be so much more challenging than writing songs, yeah. which was insane to me. It was like, why would you not want to go on tour? Like, oh, well, uh, I can't get off work. Literally had that excuse before. I was like, bro, you work at Jimmy John's. Don't fucking, like, you cannot be serious about this. But sure enough, we had to cancel more than one tour because of shit like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, again, like, all learning experience, all good, but I just had to put I felt like I was giving up so much and getting so little back and just accepting like it's part of it. It's just, it's how it's gotta be. Cause I can't, I don't have other people to play with that are in line with me. Like, even though it was really Adam and Doyle were on the same page as me. Um, I felt like, yeah, there's just no way us three could do it all. And we did, but it was, um, it was cool. Cause yeah, we learned so much. And um, so one thing you kind of said that I, I, I thought about when I first met Adam, it didn't end up being true at all, but I was kind of afraid when our first couple of practices happened because Adam was talking about like, Oh yeah, bigger show, bigger stage, like Columbia records. Like, let's do it. I don't, you know, I'm not fucking around. I want to make a career out of this. And I was like, mind you, he's, you know, 17 and I'm 20. So I was like, Oh no, dude, you're, you got all wrong, man. It's like about the people and like playing small shows and connections and I thought, like, we're never going to, you know, see eye to eye on anything. Yeah. It was going to be terrible. Even. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. so different. He was like, oh, better gear, bigger sound, fancy recording studio. I was like, no, man, let's do it ourselves. It's like, fucking get the shittiest van and the shittiest microphone. <laughs> and we're going to, you know, scrape by. And that's how it's supposed to be. Um, but, but, again, part of the things that I learned through that band was, like, it's it was so good to end it when we did and the way we did, because Adam and I immediately became really good friends. Like <laughs> when we said, Hey, we should end it when we all agreed. And it wasn't a fight of like, no, we got to keep doing it. When we all agreed, we're going to end the band. We're going to do these last two shows and that's going to be it. He and I like just all the tension disappeared and we could see each other as the friends that we were always like just barely able to see when we were in the band. It was like the fog cleared and that was so valuable to me, much like you and I have discussed like our friendship and having gone through so much shit with this dude, it's still Adam more than almost anyone 
is just like, I, he just feels like a massive part of my history. He experienced so much with me firsthand. And it's, it, it's something that, yeah, I have more value for that than most like actual blood relatives, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you, the, so was the next band you, that you were in after that, was that Antilles like straight after that? No, we, again, like, had a bunch of friends who were doing other shit, and I was already in Chicago, um, which, needless to say, opened up a lot of doors, but also, like, I like I was saying, with just my personality, things I learned about myself were that I would constantly get knocked down, but not leave, you know? So it was like, I'm never going to be the like fastest player or the best songwriter, you know, I don't have the best gear, but the only thing that really holds me to even playing this music is just like the pure passion for music in general. Um, and it wasn't like songwriting or recording or touring. It was like all of it. It was just like every single part of this is exactly what I want. Um, so in the middle of Lion in the North, I was, yeah, in Chicago and meeting other people and like they were, they could not give a fuck less about me, which I totally understand now. <laughs> Cause like how many people come up to you and just like, Hey man, can my band get on the show? And it's like, wait, what, who are you? Why do I, why should I care? The biggest difference was at the time, um, the people that were saying no to me to this day are still dicks. Like I know these people just suck. I was talking to like five of the worst people I could have talked to. Oh, shit. Um, and I, I bet still, like, they'd give me the shirt off their back as a person, but they would never book my band on their show. Like, oh, no, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. You know, like, I'll give you $100 as a friend. I would loan, you know, yeah. you my car, but no fucking way is your band going to play with my band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. Um, so, yeah, that was just the thing. Was I was like, well, fuck, I'm just going to hang out and be resilient and do my thing because I still like your band. I don't really care if you don't like mine. And through that, I met a bunch of other people. We played music for a while. And a lot of the times it was a band, but it didn't do much. And sometimes it was like, just it, very rarely was it a jam. I'll put it that way. Most of the time it was like, okay, we have a band. Um, and this band, we're going to like go for this type of sound or this approach. And after five or six practices, we were like, you know done with it and we'd accomplished what we wanted but we'd never played a show or recorded and we were just like that's kind of just it and that's okay because again we're really just playing for ourselves so i did a bunch of bands like that and um antilles okay i man uh, i feel like such a fucking nerd talking about this band but before i was in that band i swear to you they were like my second or third favorite band that you know was in our realm that we could ever have played with mm-hmm. and um a real quick history on how I even knew about that band was Bobby Marcos had done something, either booked a show with them or something out of state. So I didn't know who they were. Bobby had contacted them. And this was like MySpace days. And I cannot remember how the, the search function worked on that. But it, I remember it was really easy to set a parameter of just like search for music on MySpace with the genre screamo. And just like you could see every single thing. Yeah. But part of what was so awesome about that was there was like maybe two or 300 pages. So it was a really attainable number. And there were many days and nights where I would just listen to every single band, everything they had up. Cause you could only have like four songs or whatever. 
and they were one of the bands that I heard and kind of wrote off as like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and it turned out when Bobby hit me up or had uh, explained to me that he hit them up and they were either playing um, in Ohio or whatever it was, he was like, you got to check them out. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard them. And he probably said, like, you know, they're great. And I said something like, yeah, mm, having only heard uh, what I now know was their Juniper Wait split, which is like their first recordings, mm. which are still songs of theirs that I don't like. Every single track after that, just pure fucking genius like so good these kids are in high school playing shit that i can still barely play like (laughs) so out of their league and i had just hit it right before that came out or whatever it was so bobby had gotten them they probably booked bobby uh, um native or whatever and then it had to have been native because their band before that was effect effect which that's a that's a, a struggle to get through, but holy shit, it yielded awesome results. Um, and they, oh, oh, okay. So I was in Land of the North. We we're trying to play through Ohio, and I remembered Bobby said he played with them or whatever, and so I hit him up, already not liking them, like not caring for their music at all. And like, hey, we're going to be in Michigan this day and Pennsylvania the next. Anything you could do between Toledo and or whatever, either Toledo yeah. or Cleveland, something like that would be awesome. And uh, Alex hit me up, very nice, but he was just like, oh, man, we're playing with a Hot Cross that day, so we can't. And I was like, hi, hello, I would like <laughs> to play that show then because we will play that for free and open, and that is the wildest shit. They didn't even announce their tour, and the Hot Cross tour ended up getting canceled. But that was, like, you know, my favorite fucking band at the time. That was exactly what I was trying to knock on. And... um show ended up getting canceled. And then when it did, I hit him up again. It was like, Hey, so the show was canceled. You know, would you guys still want to do a show? And he was like, no, we're good. Uh, and I was like, fuck, this fucking dude sucks. <laughs> um, so we played some other show somewhere else. And then yeah, whatever tours over things move on. And Bobby says something about them playing a show until he's playing a show in Northwest Indiana. And basically it was like, if Bobby or Ed wanted to do a show, we were already on it and vice versa. Like we were expected to play each other's shows to the point that it kind of sucked. <laughs> we had like six and seven band shows because both of our bands had to play. And then there was two or three touring bands and then we had to get another local. Um, but yeah, we played a show with them at, uh, express yourself, which was a coffee house in Valpo. And yeah, like fucking balls in my throat. I was so just like it, it was, insane to me how fucking good they were and especially drew because like the guitar shit is awesome but especially in a live setting you know it gets lost in a fucking coffee shop with 20 people there um but drew was just like this snot nosed little 18 year old who was such a fucking tight drummer and he looked kind of sloppy but he played so clean he didn't and okay so yeah, it, obviously I end up playing in Antilles, so I'm not going to keep sucking him off. But I will say that the dude skates so much like he plays drums. It's just like a thing about how he looks. You wouldn't expect him to be as good as he is. Um, yeah, so it, it, he's just a fucking remarkable drummer and also doesn't really care or practice that much. Um but the band he's doing now, he's doing a bunch, but one of them, Grin and Barrett, that he's yeah. doing with Kevin and Richie, is just like 
off the chain. Everything they released, super good for one reason or another. But when they did their first shit, he was so stoked on it. And that was also when I was still in Antilles. And I was like, I can't realistically continue to play music that are like states away. So I'm living in Chicago there in Cleveland. And they started Grin and Barrett. And uh, I was like, God damn it. I wish so badly I was in that fucking band too. Um, but whatever they he did so much good shit Antilles was so fucking good and yeah eventually they had problems with their bassist and he left or they kicked him out or whatever it was on good terms and Alex and I had become really good friends and Kevin and I were casual friends um and like I said I just loved Drew as a drummer we didn't really talk much though and then uh my friend Chris that I ended up doing some bands with too we lived together in Chicago and we were going to see sun and earth and Pelican play in Brooklyn. So we were driving through Cleveland and that was the whole goal was to drive to Cleveland, spend the night with Alex and then go see um, earth the next day and hang out in Brooklyn all weekend. And um, Alex, yeah, just like when we stayed with him kind of like told, you know, a quick synopsis. And I was like, dude, your band is so good. You cannot break up. It's like, oh, I think we got this guy or that guy. And I was like, please, play with those guys. Do not break up. He's like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And I was like, if nothing else, I will play bass for you. And hit, you know, two or three days later, and he was like, um, do you like want to try that? And I was like, I am already there. So <laughs> we had some practice, and it was an October date. And I remember that super specifically because that entire duration I was in that band, I was taking a mega bus from Chicago to Cleveland and I would book a Friday that got there at like whatever it was, 11 PM. Oh no, sorry. Friday would get there at like 7 PM. And then I would leave at 11 PM. And there was a couple, you know, practices where was it 11 PM or was it like 1 AM? It was real late. I think it might've been 1 AM. Um, there was a couple practices where I'd stay the whole weekend, you know, if we could really make it work, but you know, they have jobs and wives and school and shit. So it was very much just like, we'll practice Friday night. I would show up, practice and leave in the same night. So within whatever, 32 hours, I'd gone from Chicago to Cleveland, back to Chicago. And, um, it really did not work. <laughs> like, uh, again, like the skill of the people totally there the ambition totally there, but like, uh, I would, I, again, taking like this 11 hour bus ride, which is only a seven hour car ride, but it, they stopped two times and oh, one yeah. time it's for 30 minutes and they drive the speed limit. So there's nothing else to do. You know, I was just like, um, I had this shitty little computer and I would record all the practices and send them like the audio files for everything. And, I would get really stoked and have all these ideas and I just wasn't, I was barely able to keep up with them talent wise. They're really fucking good. And my whole approach to that band when I joined, it was like, I'm going to be a fly on the wall. I'm going to get in where I fit in. I am not going to push shit. They're so good as they are. They do not need me. I want to like help them see their vision. Um, and then again, my, you know, stupid fucking personality got in and there was a bunch of, petty bullshit arguments between Drew and I that I really, really took to heart. Like I was very, very mad at myself for saying shit sometimes. And Drew is very much just like a, yeah, whatever, fuck off. You know, you just move on. So, um, that band didn't end because of he and I, but that was definitely a thing for me that I was like, I don't want to 
you know, push shit. And then it kind of got to the point where like, I don't know, I love Drew. We get along very well now, but I felt like he didn't really want to be around me for a time. So there were practices where like he would show up an hour late and leave early and shit. Um, but he again had the skill that he didn't really need to be there while we figured out a riff. Like he needed to hear the final riff and he could write his shit around it. Um, yeah. So it was cool though. That was like, yeah, one of the most, it was like the most honored I've ever felt as a musician to show up and have this incredible song almost done. And I get to make the couple tweaks and sometimes Alex or Kevin would be like, Oh, Hey, if you do this, we can do that. And then, Oh, now I see the, the whole picture of the song that I didn't before. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I was like allowed to be a part of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, I, uh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, I could see that. I could see that situation, I guess, you know, and f- from being an outsider, I can see that kind of both ways, you know, like, I could see that being very frustrating for you. You're like, I just spent four hours on a bus to get here and like people can't be on time. Like that's frustrating. But at the same time, like, you know, being on the other end of that, like, I mean, it, it all, I, it all boils down to like what needs, what needs to happen to make the song, um, complete and if and if it's like everybody's still working everything else out then i could see you know someone being like i don't need to be here while you figure out whether this is six times or eight times you know like uh if and so yeah i mean it's i don't know i i can see how that situation would have been frustrating i perhaps for for either one of you you know but i i yeah I tend to, I tend to be more like, um, I tend to be more, no matter if I had already like figured something out or whatever, you know, I tend to be more like available to people who, you know, I play with than, than just being like, call me when it's done, you know, like, um, well, right. And I think that's what makes you such a furious goddamn songwriters because you can play every instrument just as well so you have like an investment and even if you're not the one playing it i feel like you have a really good concept of how things could sound again even if that's not what you're going for yeah which isn't to disparage the people who can't um but i think that you in particular are a really good example of someone who (laughs) yeah like no matter what your role is you could be a great producer you could be a great you know, singer or drummer as well. And that's really, I don't know, there's tons of value in what you can bring to a band. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Um, I, now, like, I think, I'm not really sure, but was Antilles the most, was that the most active, like, as far as, like, touring band that you were in, or, or... Again, that's that's part of my curse. Like, so many people uh, had been in other bands, and we started a band, and we never tour, or okay. the band toured a lot, and then I joined them, which is Van Tilly's example. They'd done a few tours. I joined them. We'd finally booked, played together for like a year and a half. Um, didn't even have the new record done like we were supposed to, which was a 
is a hilarious thing to think about now because to me, I was like, fuck, man, we were almost ready to record it. And then it took us four more years, uh, three more years to even finish writing it. And then three more years to release it. So really fucking funny that I thought in 2012, uh, you know, we were about to have the record. Oh, darn it. We just missed the deadline. It was like, no, dude, you were not even fucking close. Um, it was so we had booked a 18 day tour, maybe 16 day with uh mountain of sleep, who was one of the bands that was like, you know, definitely at our level, but skill wise and genre wise, just like better, <laughs> more extreme. Um, and I thought it was going to be a fucking awesome tour. We got along really well with them as people. And then, yeah, the goddamn van broke down, but that didn't happen until we were coming back, thankfully. And, um, that was the longest tour I ever ended up doing, which is a bummer because when I was in fucking high school, that's all I wanted to do was tour. I would just daydream about it in every band. The whole goal was to release records to tour. And then half the bands I was in just had people that were too young or too committed to other things. And then when I finally get on one 18 day tour with a band that had done, you know, several 15 plus day tours, um, yeah, when I get in that band, that was the only turn we ever did. We did a few weekends. We did one with Grown Ups and one with Black Kites. And then, you know, maybe like a one or two day show, uh, one or two days of shows in a row. But we never did more than that little stint. And then I hadn't toured since then unless I was hanging out with a band. I went with, you know, Animal Lover, bands that I've released records for, oh, right. for a few days here and there. And that's like, totally not rewarding <laughs> you know like uh it's not fun for me to just like travel but it is fun like you're saying to go to be in chicago have a house where a bunch of people play and they're all like oh we'll trade you shows and i've already accepted it it's like we don't need to trade anything man like this is for you i'm happy that you're here oh no no i'll get you when you come to new york it's like buddy i promise you if i had a band that could go to new york we would but i don't and i almost never will and i can't even entertain that thought um, and then a friend band, a friend's band is touring through New York and it's like, Oh shit, I'm going to go hang out with this guy. There's no pressure. He doesn't owe me anything. You know, I'm not expecting him to have an awesome show for me. He doesn't need to like find a place for us to stay. I'm going with another band and I just get to see him and we just get to be friends. And it's really cool to have that low of stakes. Um, and the privilege obviously of just seeing the country and paying almost nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like best case scenario, you're profiting, but more often than not, you're losing only a little bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, to ride with someone that's paying for everything. And I'm just like, well, shit, I can sit behind a counter and sell your stuff and I don't have to pay anything. Yeah. That sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, so. for sure. Um, what, so I, after, um, Antilles, I really am not, that familiar with what you you were doing musically except i mean i i know about cracked vessel um but then yeah there was another there was another what, what was there was another band that you're in yeah there was a I, like i said i did a few that were not we we would not take them too seriously but i think you might be thinking of lovesick okay that's the one i'm not sure it was with this is with um, Chris and Chris from uh, Parisia and ended up being in tons of other bands. He's now okay. in Sensual World. And he did Ice Age Records. 
Uh-huh. She's my my little bestie. And uh, Jordan Connect, who was in Muscle Brain, and he was from St. Louis and ended up moving to Chicago. And he was really the, like, Chris and I had wanted to do a band together, but, um, you know, it's like, he, he's, Chris is a lot like you. Like, he can play everything really well to the point that it's kind of frustrating being in a band with him because he's so good at every fucking thing that he could show you the drums that you should be playing. <laughs> uh, and uh, we wanted to start this band together that, the whole premise was like, um, it, of course, this is again, like, you know, middle school me, where it's like, we think of how the end of the band is going to be. And then we figure out how to get there. So we were just talking about like, Yafet Kodo. And I was like, yeah, there's just like a slight tweak on Yafet Kodo from other bands, you know, just like there is with Envy and, um, Ampere and stuff. It's like, they're just a little bit more punk in this way, but then they have a little bit more of a power violence influence or a little bit more of a dramatic, you know, orchestral feel without using those direct elements. Mm. You're talking real deep about this dumb shit. And then <laughs> he said something like, you know, oh man, we should get this dude to sing. We could get this guy to play drums. And I was like, oh fuck. So are you and I playing guitar and bass? And we played a little bit and we got along really well. And again, our personalities are very similar and our styles are really similar, except he's just a much better musician, which is like totally my thing. Like I love playing second fiddle. I love just like helping that person who's already good just um, kind of see something else. So yeah, we did that band Love Sick. And when Jordan moved in <clears throat> to Chicago, he hit me up. Um, he's from St. Louis and did stuff with Limp. Did you ever play there, Limp Art Center? Yeah, a couple times. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they have like a very serious vibe of their own, and. Um, so that dude, Mark, who, who ran uh, Limp, I guess Jordan and I had probably met before that, um, but Mark said something about Jordan getting in touch with me and our friend Josh Oberman had also lived in Chicago for a minute, and Josh was a little younger, and I really liked Josh. He was just like the perfect, um, you know, starry-eyed, like good-hearted dude, and every time we hung out, it was just, um, I don't know, it just felt like fun and innocent, but I think Josh... You know, he cared so much about the shit that I was like, man, I care about this and no one else cares. And Josh was like the other person who was like, I actually think I care more about this. <laughs> um, uh, so I kind of talked about like, yeah, we should have Josh in the band too. Um, and it didn't happen for whatever reason because, yeah, Chris and I were playing with Jordan and it was working really well. And then uh, John Harmon, who was in Cloudmouth and Jowls and now runs End Hens, Wild Ass. Um, flat stock screen print shop. Yeah, uh, he played bass. And what are you gonna say? I uh, just seeing the seeing what John uh, puts out now is just it's mind blowing. Like the prints yeah. that he does, it's mind blowing. Yeah, like absolutely wild. Perfect for him and his personality, and he absolutely found his niche. But there are so many times where I am just going through Instagram and I'll come across this shit and I'll be like, fucking. How is oh it's John? Never mind. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, it's I, I'm so stoked for the dude. Um, but yeah, we did Love Sick together, and that was that's kind of funny because that's one where I think John had less control than any band he'd ever been in. Like he really showed up and just played the part, and um, it was awesome. Like that that is not to disparage him because he's such a player. He's not a again in this band. He was not a a, a creative songwriter. Um, sometimes I'd be like, yeah, you know, you can write this with us if you want. 
Um, and I don't remember if he ever, you know, showed up with stuff specifically, but a lot of the times he was just happy to, you know, fill in, um, bass stuff. So that was a really fun band. And then I did, um, and that one, that's the other thing I was trying to get at with explaining. It was like that one, we knew we had an end date because Jordan was moving out of Chicago. He was only there for a year. I guess he ended up being there for like two years, but he thought he was only there for a year because he was doing this um, thing through school where he got it tuition free or something. Um, so he was making tons of awesome art and uh, doing his own solo stuff, which is cool. Jordan connect. Um, I don't think he does as much music now. He does other bands, but um, he's a awesome, like experimental artist and musician. So, when he plays drums in a band, like we're trying to go for like a Yasa Koto Envy, you know, um, sound. And he is like looking at it like an art project. And, uh, there was, oh shit, I got to tell this. I wish, I wish I just had all my roommates from that time here. Cause they could tell you shit from other perspectives that I've now turned into my stories. Right. Um, but the, the, uh, the, my favorite comment was from our roommate, Joey, who uh, said during a lovesick practice that he couldn't tell how many people were playing or what we were playing because the whole thing sounded like one single sound in a tunnel. He was like, you guys just sound like, like an orb of, no, of uh, an orb of music or something. It was a huge description that was like beautiful. And I didn't think it was accurate, but I love that he thought it. Um, <laughs> And we had a practice scheduled once and uh, Jordan or someone was like, oh, I can't do it at that time, but I could do it way earlier, like 9 a.m. And I was like, oh, shit. And we practiced at my house, uh, mine and Chris's house. So Chris and I were like, well, shit, you know, there's only three other roommates. And so we checked with them. And of course, they're all like, oh, that's weird. But yeah, sure. You can practice at 9 a.m. No problem. And at like 8.55, Chris and I both sleep in super fucking hard and we're in the up upstairs. So it's like three floors above the uh, practice area. And one of our alarms go off and we're hitting snooze and shit. And at like eight fifty five, we just hear this fucking blaring kick drum, just pulsating. <laughs> and we both got up and laughed like all the way downstairs. And Jordan is playing in the absolute dark, no lights on completely uh, naked, except for his um, undies just like playing the same drum beat. It was just like a straight, you know, jungle beat all on the tons as hard as he can. He just kept playing for about five minutes until we set up and we practiced. <laughs> so that's the type of dude we were playing with and, um, endlessly inspirational. And I love him to death. Um, and that band, uh, like I said, learned so much from all the shit, but playing with someone like that, had never happened to me before. He was such a, he's just a true artist. That's awesome. So, that was cool. What, what are you? And uh, oh, there was sorry. one other band I did at that house that I wanted to mention because uh, it was, uh, it was again, like a total pet project. My friend, uh, Joel, who was the uh, roommate of mine at that house, he was a pretty good guitarist, really into like more popular metal at the time, but like a, an awesome fucking shredder. And he'd never been in a band. And I was like, well, fuck it, dude. Let's like just fuck around. I don't know. I'll play drums, I guess. I cannot play drums and I really can't play metal. So me trying to play as fast as I could and Joel having never been in a band, but being very talented with a band called Proles. And he wrote all the lyrics and did the vocals too. And it was all about, 
you know, hyper socialist, uh, you know, the, the proles against the authority and shit. And, uh, we had a, like, I printed shirts and shit. We just did a bunch of goofy stuff and that was more fun than actually playing shows and releasing records, which I think we played two shows and we recorded and the recordings up on the kid sister band camp. And I'm really stoked and proud of the recording. I was, I thought we sounded like a really bad Ed Gein who was a big band in like the new metal era. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that we played with them at some point. They played, uh, yeah, like Northwest Indiana, a bunch. Yeah. Um, again, that could be me looking back and like they played once, but in my mind it was three shows. Um, I think. But yeah, I, I fucking loved that band. I think I. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, I think I played like Michigan or something with them way back in the day. But oh, would it have been Michigan Fest, the one that was in? No, just like uh, a ran, just like a random show. Live Fest. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I don't, I don't know though. Like it's, it's pretty wild. Like there's, you know, every once in a while it's just like, yeah. Like I just remember like, oh yeah, we played this one show with Norma Jean once, you know, or, you know, like, (laughs) or whatever. And just like, it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Like, who is this at the time? You know what I mean? But then. What was your relationship with Circle Takes a Square? Oh, uh, I went to high school with Kathy. Was that in Indiana? No, in Florida. Yeah, we're both from Florida. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. you were from Florida. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are, so, are you doing, is there anything like, are you doing music now? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm still in Craig Vessel because it's me and a drummer. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, it's kind of yeah. like. So, like, he's he's a bit older. I, I want to say he's like 37, 38. And uh, when we started, which was like, a hot minute ago now he was kind of like hey we weren't really friends um but we knew each other and he was uh vegan straight edge and he's very tied to that identity and uh he said something to me about it at a show just like hey it's their vegan straight edge band and he'd hit me up in other bands he was in in the past and i think we kind of i took it as a joke and he kind of just like laughed and he was like but for real if you wanted to play music i'm playing with another guy and it's kind of black metal and i was like yeah i don't think i can do that i don't think i'm into that but it also felt weird saying no to someone that i like you know it was like we're not really friends but i don't know he's a good drummer and yeah maybe mm-hmm. and then um yeah i practiced once or twice with this thing that he was trying to start and it started to fizzle out um and i was trying to play bass in it but then i was like maybe i'll play guitar maybe i'm not into this i don't know two or three practices and then the dude who was playing guitar is uh Theo, I forgot his last name, who was in uh, Joan of Arc, and that band started up again, and Theo was like, hey guys, we're we're doing Joan of Arc, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Simon was just like, well, we could, you know, keep doing something in that vein if you're into it. And at that point, I was, you know, getting more into black metal and weird, um, like, noise, maybe not noise exactly, more like industrial stuff. There's a guy from Chicago called Sirachai. I think that's how it's pronounced s-u-r-a-c-h-a-i okay um and he does stuff that's definitely like in the noise slash black metal uh genres and i was pretty into that and kind of like just had the right mindset when simon asked me at the right time and he was at the point like i said he was a bit older he'd 
not really toured a lot, but he played enough that, um, I don't know. He, he kind of saw the writing on the wall. He was like, I'm not going to be able to do this forever, like this specific genre. So I'd really like to try it for as long as I can. And we did that. It was very tight. It was the easiest band I've ever been in. No, uh, Proles was probably the easiest because there were no stakes to it. It was just me and Joel fucking around. Mm. But um, this this uh, Craig Vessel is yeah, just like so easy to show up with a riff. He agrees to the riff. We have now written the riff. And we continue adding to the riff, and that becomes a song. And every other band I've been in is just, like, nitpicking shit to death. And, like, you know, six opinions on stuff that doesn't matter. So, Crack Vessel's really cool. Simon doesn't really... He, he's a, it's either a... It's good or it's not. Um, and it's it's very... Um, easy to be in that band now, because I, I know how our sound is. And Yeah, that was the first band that I... No, that's not true. That was the only band that I've really had like as much control over as I do now or as I, I I've had the most control in that band. I'll put it that way. So the full length that we wrote, um, it didn't really feel like special to me, but listening back on it, it's different than listening back on other records where a lot of these other records, especially line of the North, it's like, shit, man, I wrote tons for this band that didn't get used like easily a full length records worth of shit, um, that we threw away. And on the recording, it's almost all Adam or Adam's parts that I've played. You know, like he, he let me play them, but they didn't really need me for so much of that band. I, I again, was kind of like a balancing uh, uh, balancing board for them, like kind of help them see where shit needed to go. And then I'd help them, you know, play the their vision more than actually writing stuff. Because a lot of the stuff I wrote uh, just didn't work for them, which is a bummer it works really well in other bands. So it wasn't a waste. Yeah. And, um, yeah, cracked off. was like all my shit. And that's, that's all right. So when it's bad, I, I know that it's bad. And that was my conversation with Harrison Hickok. Thanks so much, Harrison, for taking the time to chat with me. Until next time, take care and do good things.